Hey, I'm Pastor Mike, and thank you so much for taking time to check out this message. And I hope that it inspires you. I hope it pushes you either towards a relationship with Jesus or further along in your relationship with Jesus. But we would never want this message to replace the reality of what it means to be involved with a local church. Although I'm excited that you're checking this out and I, and I hope it speaks to you, let me encourage you that you need to be involved in a local body. There's something to the fact that you need to be under the authority of the spiritual lead of a pastor and involved in a community that can push you uh, further along. We are meant to be in community. So enjoy this message, but let me encourage you to be seeking an opportunity to be involved with a local church. into uh, this new series because I was thinking about starting the year. How many of you guys have resolutions? How many of you guys are resolution type people? Raise your hand. Come on, be proud. Okay, how many are you not not resolution type people? Raise your hand. Okay, some of y'all didn't raise your hand. Uh, so I don't know what that means. You're not really sure what you're doing with your life or whatever. But um, but listen, here's it's funny because I love when I talk to people about the new year and resolutions and all that. It's just interesting to see the difference in that because there's many of us that go, you know, I did that for enough years and I didn't fulfill my resolution, so forget it. It's just stupid. And then, and then we get an attitude about it. Like it's just a date. Like what's the difference between January and July? What's the big deal? And we get, and then we, and then there's those of us who have a little a rebellious streak in it. And it's just because everybody else is doing it, I'm not going to do it. Right? But there's nothing that you can deny about the reality that there's something mentally and culturally that something new is starting when we start the year. And so I want to just challenge you on that. And that's why we're looking at 21 days of prayer is because I think for the most part, there's two different types of people that we're dealing with. And there's two different types of people sitting in here listening to this on video. And that is those of us who still have enough hope in our life that we're striving, right? That we still have enough hope inside of us that we're actually trying to do something better. We're trying to improve this. We're trying to prove that. Trying to prove our marriage. Trying to prove our kids. Trying to, and so there's enough hope. And then there's another set of people that in areas of their life, they've gotten so depressed and lack so hope that they've just given up. And so for the most part, you probably find yourself in one of those categories. And here's what I want to say to you today. If you're that person that is depressed, if you're that person that just feels like giving up and you lack hope, I'm going to give you an ingredient today that I'm hoping will, will put just enough hope in you for you to maybe make some decisions of resolution and that maybe God could do something and change your situation. 
For those of us who are still striving, and I would definitely put myself in that category, maybe sometimes over-striving, um, but for those, I want to give you this ex- same exact ingredient today, and it's why you have the same resolutions for 2020 that you had in 2019, you haven't done them yet. So even though you're striving forward, come on, how many of you are still running around the same mountain anywhere in your life? Anybody? Yeah, okay, there's like three honest people over there. These are my people. I'm going to talk to y'all today, all right? But, but, but the, the reality of, of that there's areas of our lives where we go, why do I keep doing that? Why, why, do, why do I keep going back to that secret sin? Why, do I, why does it seem like I have that frame of mind? You know, why is it, I, I look at it in my life, and I've, I've joked, I don't know how many millions of times. It's funny because I talk about myself driving and people driving the left lane. And I think I've created in y'all's mind that Pastor Mike's a monster on the road, right? Because I, I talk about that so much. But, but the, the, the reality being like, what is it that makes me sit and listen to a couple and I have all this compassion? And then what is it that makes me get into a left lane and I'm like, I have a gun. You understand, you understand what I'm saying? You know what I mean? Like, what is it that makes us react and do the thing? And I think I'm going to answer that today. I think I'm going to help you today to, to frame the, the, the whole thought process of why we do this 21 days and why, listen to me, here's a promise. If you'll do wholeheartedly 21 days with us for the next three weeks, I guarantee you it will change your life. I absolutely guarantee it. Because we're talking about opening ourselves up to the power of God and him being able to do things that we could never imagine doing him overcoming things in us that we haven't been able to come overcome for 30 or 40 years. Right? So let me, let me jump into this. John eight thirty one. Let me read this, this verse to you to the Jews who had believed him. Okay. So this is Jesus and he's talking and he's addressing believers. It's important for us to hear that. Important for us to understand because he's going to talk about them not living godly lives, but he's talking to believers. Can anybody relate? Right? You're a believer, but you have some struggles in in your area. Jesus said this, listen, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know truth. Listen to that verse. It's funny because people will say, you know, I feel like I need to clean myself up before I come to God. But if you listen to the verse that Jesus has said, he said, you know what? Come to me and then you will know truth. In other words, your salvation experience is not an ending, it's a beginning. Right? It's a beginning of understanding truth. Then you will know truth and the truth will set you free. We like to say it this way. I like to say it this way. Um, Give us a year. Give us a year. We don't just set up church or we didn't set up Church of the Lakes and design it with life steps and all the things we do because it's the way to do it or it's old or it's traditional. We set it up purposefully. And I promise you, I'm telling you right now, if you will engage in Church of the Lakes with small groups and life steps and coming to church and getting involved, I promise you 2020 will be a different year for you. I promise you that. Then he answered them. Listen to that. They answered him. So he's talking to believers, right? And Jesus says to them, if you hold my teachings, you're really disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The innuendo is there is that you're a slave to something, right? Because you're going to be set free, he says to them. Look at their response. They answer him. We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free. Here, here's, what, here's what we need to catch from this. 
You cannot move forward from bondage unless you acknowledge it first. I, I need you to hear that this morning. I need you to hear as we're getting set in this. You can't get free and move forward from where you are until you acknowledge that reality. So if fear is your bondage, you need to acknowledge that that's an issue. That's the starting point, right? If it's some particular sin, if it's some particular thought process, whatever that is, the acknowledgement of that. Let me, let me, this, how, many, how many of you know someone who is addicted to something? How many of you know somebody who's either an alcoholic, drug addict, whatever, right? See hands all over the place. How many of you are an addict? I got like four hands. Listen, listen, listen. Isn't that funny? How many of you are addicts? I'm not an addict. Isn't that what the believers just said? Catch this. Didn't they just say, we're not a slave to anybody? I'm, I'm not a slave. What are you talking about? I'm not possessed. Or I, I'm not. So when I say to you, are you an addict? We go, well, I'm, I'm, I'm not an addict. Can I admit something to you this morning? Hey, I'm Mike Matheny. I'm the pastor here at Church of the Lakes, and I'm an addict. What a great way to start off the year, pastor. Listen to me. As long as I have things that continue to cause me to sin, as long as I have thought processes that are unhealthy inside of my head, as long as I, Mike Matheny, continue to eat emotionally. Come on, somebody. Right? I'm mad. Yes, let's eat. I'm happy. Ramshackles. Right? I took Dimitri to Ramshackles. He loves the chicken wrap, so he's hooked. But anyway, but, 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 but as long as I have something, listen, every single one of us should have raised our hand when I asked the question, are you an addict? Because we all have certain areas, and that's the beginning. The beginning of freedom is the acknowledgement of bondage, is the acknowledgement of that reality of, of what's going on in our lives. Listen to this. Jesus replies to them, very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. There it is. He just covered us all, didn't he? Right? Anyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family. Wait, what? You, you mean I'm not saved? No, I don't think that's what it's saying. Listen to me. A permanent place in the family doesn't mean that you don't have a place in the family. A permanent place in the family makes the innuendo that you're getting all the benefits of being part of a family. So as long as we have areas of our lives where we have sin and bondage and things that are holding us back, guess what? We're not getting all the benefits of being part of the family. Does that make sense? We're losing out on the power of God in our lives. We're moving, we're losing out on the idea that the Holy Spirit wants to do a work in me. And He wants to do a work in my marriage. And He wants to do a work with my kids. And instead, we find ourselves in slavery running around the same mountain and the same mountain and the same mountain and wondering why we continue to get the same results. Why, if I write down resolutions for 2020, are some of them the same as they were in 2010? And, and, and it's because of this whole concept. Listen, but a son belongs, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son, listen, sets you free, you will be free indeed. Come on, somebody give me an amen there, right? That you'll be free indeed. So let's take a moment to decide where we are. Okay, if we're going to acknowledge, if we're going to start this year off and say, you know what? We're going to do something a little different. And, and it's going to take a little bit of work. We're going to dig in a little bit. We're, let's look at where I am. Let's, let's decide where I am. Let's find a baseline. And I want to look at 1 Corinthians because this book was written to the church in Corinth. And it's a corrective letter that Paul writes. 
And he writes this letter and he says, hey, I'm going to deal with some things and point out some issues. And so want to look at first Corinthians and the first thing that Paul points out, he's going to give us three different type of people. I want us to kind of decide where am I today? Where, where am I in this whole process today? Number one is the unspiritual person. The unspiritual person. Each person is made up of a body. Okay. Got a body. You can pinch it. You can feel this is our physical body. You have a soul. A soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. I like to do this when we're kind of doing theology study with the teenagers. And I'll say this. Point at your mind. And people will do this. You can't point at your mind. That's your brain. Your mind is this nebulous place where your spirit and your body connect in this place called your soul. Right? Your mind, your thoughts, you can't point at thoughts, right? They're, they're somewhere out there that we don't totally understand. Your mind, your will, your decision making, and your emotions. Anybody a little emotional in here? Okay? Your mind, your will, and your emotions, that's your soul. And then we have a spirit. So you are three parts, three in one, created in the image of God. Does that sound familiar at all? Right? And so the reality being that those are the parts of us. But listen to what Paul says to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 2.14. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God. If you don't have the Spirit. So here's what happens. When we're born, and we're born into, the Bible says we're born into sin, our spirit or our spirit man is dormant. It's dead. It's not doing anything. So we're just operating off of our body. And our soul, mind, will, and emotions. But what do our mind and will and emotions have to use as stimuli to make decisions? Just our body. Right? So we are a person who is making decisions to make ourselves happy. To feel good. Right? To survive. Right? That's the whole dog-eat-dog type of scenario. I'm going to get mine. And all because I'm thinking from that standpoint. Does that make sense? Right? And so the person without the Spirit does not accept the things of the Spirit. How do you get the Spirit? You get the Spirit when you accept Jesus. The Holy Spirit is deposit and your Spirit comes to life. And now you have that part of you to operate. Catch this. The person without Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. What's discerned through the Spirit? Truth. The things of God. So in other words, people who are critical of Christianity will continue to be critical of Christianity until they experience it. This is why I often will say, you can't argue someone into heaven. Right? Have you ever seen somebody just go back and forth with somebody on science and yeah, but what about evolution and blah, 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 blah. Very seldom does one person all of a sudden go, you're right, Eureka, I want Jesus. Right? It it doesn't have, no, no, no. They have to experience. The Holy Spirit has to draw them and God has to bring to life the spirit that was in them so now they can discern Truth. So that is the unspiritual person. The second type of person is the spiritual person, right? The term that's used in some of you, if you didn't grow up in church or you hadn't been in church, you may have heard somebody say getting saved or born again. Well, this is what we're talking about. So if you've got a dormant spirit, when you accept Jesus as your savior, then what happens is we are forgiven of our sins and our spirit comes to life. The Holy Spirit brings our spirit to life, comes into our life. And begins to be a part and direct our life. And this is a spiritual person now. 1 Corinthians 2.15, next verse. 
the person with the spirit makes judgments about all things. In other words, they see clearly. All of a sudden, things seem more understandable. Pause. This is why resolutions don't work most often. Here's why. Because what is the real change agent in a person? It's their spirit. You can't will yourself into losing 30 pounds. Listen to me, it's a spiritual problem. You, you can't come up with enough good ways, and this is what we try to do best business. Some of us are self-help happy. Right? We're going to read self-help book after self-help book. We're going to best business practice. We're going to do this and that. And here's what I need you to hear this morning. If you have a list of resolutions and they don't include getting deeper spiritually, you're probably not going to accomplish them. That's why most time resolutions don't work. Because we're not going at it from the right standpoint. We're not going at it from the reality of the spirit is the change agent. 2020 can be the best year you have had yet. Or it can be another year where you get to December and talk about all the things that you meant to do. And the difference is, if it's the best year spiritually that you've ever had, it's the best year you'll have ever had. Do you hear me? I I, I don't care how many things you list. I don't care how diligent you are. Listen to me. You can actually go and say, you know what? I'm getting in the gym. Uh, It's always fun. Jen and I always kind of, we're, I don't know. Maybe this is not good. I'm admitting some of my sin. Pray for me. But I have a tendency to look around the gym and I go, oh, there's a new one. There's a new one. There's a new one. And I'll go, all right, I'm going to give that one two weeks, a month. They'd be gone next week. Like that, that's what kind of goes through my head, right? Because we do that thing. Come on, how many of you have a gym membership you're paying for, but you don't go? Come on, don't lie. Yeah, see, listen, so, so, so the problem is not, I got to have more willpower. The problem is not, I got to do more. No, the problem is there's a spiritual thing inside of me. There's something to be dealt with inside of my spirit that changes who I am, that the Holy Spirit begins to change me so that I can actually do what he wants me to do. Look at this. But such a person is not subject to mere human judgments. In other words, that person is not just listening to their body, right? Because they have a spirit now. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. How? Through your spirit. Your spirit connected to the spirit of God changes who your mind and your will and your emotions are. You can't all of a sudden stop being an emotional basket case. Anybody ever tried? Anybody ever had that person look at you and go, dude, you like, you're a fruitcake. You're like, yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Like emotionally, you're all over the, and you're like, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna do better. No, no, not really. Not until your emotions come under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Not till you deal with the spiritual reality of what's going on. Is that making any sense? Is anybody understanding where I'm going today? Right? It's, it's a spiritual issue. So the best resolution, listen to me, the best resolution you can have for 2020 is to be stronger spiritually. If you do it, it will have an effect on all the other areas of your life. Because, come on, losing 30 pounds is a discipline issue. But the discipline issue is a spiritual issue behind it. 
And if you develop spiritual discipline, guess what will happen? You'll develop physical discipline. All of it goes back to a spiritual. So we have the the unspiritual person, the spiritual person, and then we have a third person. You might think, well, that's all there is. But I want to point out one more person because Paul points out one more person. It's the next chapter, but it's the very next verse. The third is the worldly person. For those of you who like to do Bible study, you might write above worldly or next to it, carnal. That's the word the Bible uses. It's not a word we use very often in our in our normal day-to-day, but the word is carnal. Okay? 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 3. Brothers and sisters, again, he's talking to believers. Remember that. I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit. Well, that's encouraging. Right? Imagine if I had come out this morning and said, hey guys, I'm going to talk to y'all, but... I really can't talk to you as people who really know the spirit. That's what he says to the Corinthians, right? Listen, but as people who are still worldly, the word carnal, all right? Uh, If you want to get a a new understanding of of carnal, anybody ever had chili con carne? You know what chili con carne is? What's chili con carne? Chili with meat, right? Carnal is meat or flesh. It's your flesh that is worldly, right? That's the whole idea. That's why we have titled the lesson today, Christian Concarne. I think that's awesome. Apparently you don't, but I like it. But anyway, right? And here's, here's why. Because there is a type of person who knows Jesus from the standpoint of a salvation experience. But what is holding us back is how worldly we are. Right? And he goes on and he describes it. He, he, he says this. He, he says, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who still will live worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you are not yet ready for it. Indeed, you're still not ready. You're still, there's that word again, worldly, carnal. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, he picks out one particular issue. He goes, look, I can see you're still worldly because y'all keep arguing with each other. Yeah, y'all are gossiping about each other and bickering and arguing and all. Does that sound at all familiar to our country or, <laughs> right? He uses that as the example. You're quarreling among you. Are you not worldly? Are you not acting like, catch this, mere humans? You know what a mere human is? Is someone who doesn't have the spirit life inside of them. So they're just acting upon this flesh, what feels good. Does, that, does they understand? They're acting like a mere human. The innuendo there is, you could be superhuman. That's the innuendo. The innuendo is, if you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, you can be something more than mere human. Right? You can be superhuman. I want some superpowers. Anybody else want some superpowers? Man, if you, if you, uh, if you could take any superpower, what would it be? To fly? Kayla wants to fly. I want to see Kayla fly. That'd be awesome. Right? But, but I, I want you to understand that that is really real. The reality that there's a Holy Spirit who says, you know what? I have some superpowers for you. They're not mere human. There's something more. There's the ability for you to see something bigger than what you see. It'll, it'll give you vision. It'll have the ability where you can look at Leesburg and not go, uh, but you can look at Lee's bird and go, man, there's potential here. Man, God could do something. But we're worldly because we're thinking with our body, not our spirit. And we're looking at everything around us and we get depressed and down and everything.
And so he says to the people, you're drawing all your power from yourself. You're worldly. You're you're trying to drum up. And and listen to me, he's talking to Christians. So I'm going to say it to you this way. Some of us try to drum up the power of God by reading more passages. If I read one more chapter, it'll please God and maybe he'll do something for me. That's Christian con carne. Right? That's, that's the manipulation of God as opposed to a relationship with God. He, he wants relationship. So there's body, there's soul, and spirit. Let me ask you a question. Which one's in charge? If the body is in charge, then you'll have a tendency to look like somebody who is vain um, and narcissistic. And it's all about how I look. And I'm worried about how people look at me. Right? And, and I might do a lot of physical things because I think I put a lot of emphasis on the physical or you might be an emotional eater or you might have things and what you're trying to do is you're trying to please the body right i i, I want the body to feel good here if you if you're worldly and you're dealing with your soul well then you've got the mind people and those are the intellectuals right and we're going to speak of god on intellectual and you have to have an english accent if you're you know an intellectual christian right and and we go this whole intellectual route in our approach to god If you're a person who's focused on will, it's all about decision-making. And sometimes those type of people are like marathoners, right? Or extreme, or they like, you know, we're going to, I'm going to go skydiving. I'm going to, because it's this will, this thing that can be adrenaline junkies that, are you following me? Right? Or emotional. I'm led around by my emotion. Do you see? And so these are the descriptions of what he says might be. And I'm just asking you to consider yourself. I'm asking you to consider yourself because I want to help you. I, I, I want to help you through the power of the Holy Spirit to maybe overcome. And the answer to the question, which one is more powerful in you, is really easy to answer. It's which one do you feed? It's which one do you feed? And what I mean by that is if you're an intellectual junkie, then you feed your mind. Right? If you're emotional and it's always drama, you're always in the middle of drama. It's amazing to me. The people that say they hate drama the most are the ones that are always in the middle of drama. Right? If it's your, your body, do you see what I'm saying? It's whatever we're feeding the most will be the strongest in your life. So Jesus gives a solution. Here's the solution. I'm coming at you a little hard. This is heavy. But let me give you some good news and some solution here, okay? Let's look at this. Matthew 17 and 14. Jesus, when he came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. So this guy comes and there's a whole big crowd. Just kind of get a picture. Guy comes and he kneels down before Jesus. Catch this. He says, Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He, he often falls into the fire or into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. Now that was a big deal because Jesus had given them the power to heal people and they had been healing people, right? And you almost get this picture, at least I get this picture that anybody, anybody else ever battle with pride? Anybody ever get to the point where you, you, you have some successes and all of a sudden, you kind of feel like your poop doesn't stink a little bit. You know what I'm talking about? Like all of a sudden, I got this, man. 
And I almost picture if that's what was going on with the disciples. They go out and at first they're like praying over people and they're all sincere and somebody gets healed and they're like, oh my gosh, that's so awesome. Do you see that man? That's so God, so good. Thank you, God. You're awesome. And then a few days later, they're like, be healed. Right? Pride, pr- pride creep creeps in. And so this guy says, look, your disciples couldn't heal him. Listen to Jesus' words because this is the solution for us. This is the answer if you'll pay attention to this. Here is his response. Oh, unbelieving and perverse generation. Uses two descriptions that I want you to either circle or underline or really pay attention to that reality. Oh, unbelieving and perverse generation. This is the description of why they could not and why you and I cannot get over what we cannot get over. This is why you and I continue to struggle with the same things. Jesus goes on. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? (laughs) I love that statement. You ever been there with your kids? Come on, somebody got teenagers? How long am I going to put up with you? got three and a half years no but listen how long will i put up with you bring the boy here to me so jesus rebukes the demon and it came out of the boy and he was healed from that moment let me lay out what i believe jesus is trying to help us to understand as we're going to move forward in our spiritual life and get beyond the things that we can't get for it unbelieving first of all unbelieving just simply means not connected to god they're unbelieving i I kind of, I've, I've waned away. I'm not, I'm not reading the Bible. I'm not, I'm just kind of unbelieving. I've gotten to this place where I'm in a dark place and I feel like I'm in a wilderness and my belief is not there and I'm struggling and I'm not connected to God. It's a connection issue. It's not being connected to something. Perversion is also a connected issue because it's too connected to the world. So, so Jesus says, Hey guys, you, And those guys, a couple thousand years from now at Church of the Lakes, they're going to have this same struggle. Oh, unbelieving and perverse generation. Oh, those who are not connected to God is a connection issue. And those who are too connected to this world, it's a connection issue. Does that make sense? Because do you remember what I said earlier? What's stronger inside of you? Whatever you feed, right? So if I'm feeding, leaning towards my unbelief, then of course it's stronger and it's big, it's bigger. If I continue to, and, and, and listen to me, just take the conviction for your own conviction. I'm not judging anybody on what you do. You gotta decide your relationship with God. But if all I'm listening to all day is secular music, what's pumping into my head? You know, I think I've told the story before. I'm driving down the road one day, flipped it over to the country station, and I start singing along. I know the song. And I'm singing along, and then all of a sudden I'm, I'm realize I'm singing a song about leaving my wife. And I had this revelation in this moment. Like, what if I go home tonight and Jen reams me out when I walk through the door? Well, I'm taking the dog, getting in my truck, and leaving. No, 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 no. But that's what I'm pumping into my head, right? Listen, that's what I'm feeding, right? Teenagers, listen, this is why your parents are talking to you about movies or music or the things that we're listening to. Because what are we doing? When we do that, we're connecting ourselves to this world. We're connecting ourselves with the ideas of this world and the things of this. Does that make sense? Do you understand what I'm saying to you? This is the problem. So what's the solution? Matthew 17, 19 through 21. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private. (laughs) Can you imagine? Like they were like, 
big and bad. They're healing people and then they can't heal this guy. And then they can't heal this guy. And then they can't heal this guy. And they bring him to Jesus and Jesus is like, oh Lord, be healed. And he walks away. Can you imagine how the disciples felt? Like, and so here they come, tails tucked, right? Like we couldn't do this, right? Then the disciples come to Jesus in prayer and they ask, listen, why? And here's the why for you. Why is the same resolution on my list again? Why is this same issue still running around in my family? Why is this secret sin? Why do I keep clicking the button and looking at those images on the computer? Why is it that I say I'm going to put the bottle down, but I don't? Why? Why? Jesus came in private and they asked him, why couldn't we drive this out? Why, Why couldn't we drive this out? And he replied, because you have so little faith. I tell you the truth. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to mountains, move from here to there and it'll move. Move from here to there. And it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Right? I know that some of you have given up in some certain areas of your life. Some of you have given up in areas of your life. Where you kind of have gotten to the point where you go, you know what? That just is what it is in my family. Some of you have got that uncle. <laughs> or that kid. Right? Or you've got that scenario in your marriage that you just kind of have said, eh, I don't know, and you've kind of given up. And I am here to tell you this morning, listen, nothing is impossible for God. You don't have the faith right now, but I got the faith for you this morning. Nothing is impossible for God. And what I'm asking for you to do is to take the journey with us, especially over the next 21 days, to see what God might do. Jesus goes on, but this kind does not go out except by what? By what? Prayer and fasting. What? That sounds kind of sounds kind of weird. Like if you think of it from the perspective of them, because they're like, "Well, God, you gave us the power, and then we went out and did all this, and then now we can't." And now you say the answer is prayer and fasting. How does that? How does that connect? Like, how does that simply work? Well, listen. What is prayer? Prayer connects you to God. Prayer deals with the unbelieving connection, right? When we unbelieve, we're disconnected from God. When we pray, we connect to God. Increasing your prayer life will increase your faith. And out there for you to grab as you go to leave, we have a prayer guide for you for the next 21 days. Five o'clock tomorrow morning, bright and early, I will be on Facebook. You will get to see my wonderful, lovely 5 a.m. face, right? And, I, and, and, and we're going to have a time of prayer and we're going to have a short devotion. Why? Because I, we need to start our day connected with God because we're unconnected with God. Jesus is telling us that's the issue. And then he says fasting. What does fasting do? It disconnects you from the world. The idea of fasting is that I'm going to give up. Okay, so Mike is going to have to figure out over the next 21 days a different way to deal with my emotions. Right? Because I'm not going to be allowed to do the little Debbie cake. I'm not going to be able to go to Ramshackles and get me and Demetria a nice big old chicken wrap and some fries and some sweet tea. Come on, somebody. I'm getting hungry already. Listen, listen. That's the whole idea of fasting. It's not just 
I'm hungry. This sucks. God, you better love me more and bless me. That's not, that's not what fasting is. What fasting is, is for us to take a chance, for us to step away from the things of this world that we use as a crutch. That instead of me taking my emotions to God and saying, God, I'm mad right now. God, I'm upset right now. God, I'm happy right now. Then instead of doing that, I use something else that is worldly in its place. Does that make sense? Are you following with me? So the idea of fasting, and and, and there's all different ways for you to fast. Some of you need to do food fast. I know there's some people that have told me they're doing total fast, like just liquids, 21 days, right? Some of you need to do a soul fast. Man, let's start with Facebook. Lord, have mercy. Some of y'all might need some medication because you're going to break out if you don't get on Facebook in a day. Social media, maybe it's the TV. Maybe you have, have, have lost sight of the fact that you've gotten so used to doing your plop on the couch and do this, that there's so much time that you could be spending bettering your marriage or your kids or your relationships. But the screens are killing us. Are you, are you following me? And so what I'm going to ask you to do for 21 days is be honest. Be honest with yourself. Where are you worldly? Like we, we just laid it all out. We're all, we're, we're all worldly, right? I mean, we all have sin. We all, that's, Jesus said that about all of us. So where am I? And the idea of 21 days of fasting, the idea of us starting our year this way is for us to say, you know what? I have a connection problem. I'm not connected to God. That's my belief issue. I have a perversion problem. I'm too connected to this world. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to pray to try to connect myself back to God and focus on him. And I'm going to fast to disconnect from myself from these things of this world that I use as crutches instead of who my heavenly father is. Do you know who the creator of the universe is? I mean, he's almighty, all powerful, all knowing. Like he's got it all going on. Why do I run to a cheeseburger? That's the whole idea. So I I just, I want to challenge you to fast with us. I want to challenge you to pray and fast. Not because we're just doing some ceremonial thing. But because Jesus said, this is how the power of God works in your life. When you are more connected to the Father and less connected to this world. You will see the power of God working through you and through your family. Romans 8 and 12 through 14. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. Stop. Did you hear that? For some of you, they'd be like, I can't stop doing this. I can't. Yes, you can. The, the, the scripture just said. You have no obligation to do what the sinful nature, what the body is screaming at you. You don't. The enemy has made you think you do. The the enemy has made you think that you have some kind of obligation and it's just going to be that way from now on. Listen, for if you live by its dictates, the body, you will die. But if you live through the power of the spirit, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature and you will live. Can I get an amen from somebody? Right? You'll live for all who are led by the spirit of God are children of God. So that's the challenge I want to put to you. So last, last few things I'm going to close out today. 
21 days of prayer and fasting. Three ideas. Number one, I want you to set, set your objective. I want you to set your objective. And what I mean by that is I want you to come up with what are some specific things that I'm dealing with? Maybe I'm dealing with fear in our family. We react to fear. Maybe I'm dealing with rejection. Maybe I'm dealing with a particular addiction of sin, of alcohol or this or that. And what I want you to do is I want you to set some objectives. I want you to set some specific. And the way you do that is by figuring out where you're in bondage. Right? Where, where, are, where are my particular issues? Where, where are those struggles? James 4, 2 through 3. You do not have because you do not ask God. Stop. Who do you ask? Think about it. Who do you ask? Because cause I, I ask ramshackles when I'm upset. <laughs> Some of you ask um, the paddock mall when you're upset or happy. You shop, right? We eat, we shop, we drink, we smoke. We, 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 we do all kinds of different things to make it. Maybe it's sexual, maybe it's pornography. I mean, there's all kinds of things that we do that are dictated by this body, right? But God said, you have not because you're not asking me. I want you to be more connected to me and less connected to this world. And he goes on, because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your own pleasure. Set your objectives for the next 21 days. I promise you, God will do something if you'll do that. Number two, decide what you'll do. Decide what you're going to do. Take one of the books. They're out there in the lobby. Grab one. 20 days, 21 days of prayer and fasting. Get on the video. Make a decision. There's all kinds of information that I've written in there about different types of fasting. Daniel fast. Some recipe food type of stuff. I mean, there's all kinds of things that you can consider to do. Now, listen to me. Please be careful medically. If you need to talk to a doctor, talk to a doctor. I mean, some of you, if you're diabetic or you got something like that, be smart in this. Do you understand what I'm saying? But the, the, the reality of what God can do, and the number three is expect results. I cannot even begin to describe to you the expectation that Mike Matheny has inside of him. For you. I've been begging... <clears throat> I've been begging God for two weeks for you. God, first of all, would you get them to acknowledge where the issue is? Second of all, would you give them the willpower to push in and do it? And then there's three things that I've been praying specifically for you. Number one is for healing. For physical healing, emotional and mental healing. Number two is for holiness. That through the next 21 days, you're disconnecting of the world and you're connecting to God. Might You might find yourself that much closer to who Jesus has called you to be. And number three, I'm expecting, I'm expecting help. And I know that sounds weird. But what I mean by that is everybody's stuff is different. I'm expecting God to help you take the next step. I'm expecting God to help you move beyond whatever that is. Some of you in this place, in the next 21 days, you're going to be set free from things that you've had for 40, 50 years. I believe that. If, if, if you push in, if you will disconnect from this world and connect to God. Does that make sense? And the power of God, He he doesn't want you to have a miserable life. There's, there's some of those people out there that believe that, 
this whole like misery thing and beat your chest and penitence. And there are some sects of Christianity that their temples have blood trails leading up to the temple. Why? Because they teach their people a mile away from the temple, you get on your hands and knees and you crawl to the temple and they do it until the, the, the skin wears off. And so there's blood trails up to the temple. And for some reason we think that that's hogwash. God doesn't want you to suffer. He wants you to live. I've come that you might have life and life to the full. That's not crawling on your knees. That's running as a son or a daughter to a heavenly father's wide open arms to everything that he's got for you. The power of the Holy Spirit moving and working and doing in something inside of you. Disconnect from the world. Connect to God. Disconnect from the world. Connect to God. Fasting and prayer. Does that make sense to you guys? Do you understand? Would you do this? Let me pray for you. Just just close your eyes for a moment. Let me pray for you. God, help us. Help us to be honest about where we are. Help us to be honest about our, our needs and where we find bondage, where we find sin in our lives and the continual struggle. And then God, give us some, give us the ability to, to disconnect from this world. Tell us specifically, how do you want us to do this? How do you want us to connect with you? What is it that we need to put away and fast that we might spend more time with you? And so Holy Spirit, would you speak to each individual today, right where they are, about how they can better connect with you and walk in your power. We ask it in Jesus' name and all God's people said.